0: Would you open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5? And I'm going to start reading in verse 8. Our text for this morning is verses 15 through 17, but I'm going to start reading in verse 8 just to give a little bit more of a context. Ephesians 5 verse 8, For you were once... Darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all godliness, all in in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. That's why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Verse 15. Be very careful, then, how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. The world is full of people who have started things and never finished them. Unfinished projects, goals. They were thought of but never pursued. Good intentions that were never really moved towards. Relationships that started out okay but never developed to a place that they could have been. We've all had dreams that simply have remained dreams. Ministries that never really moved into fruitfulness, all sorts of things that we never acted upon, never moved towards. I always wanted to do that. I always thought I'd try that. I really thought I should spend more time doing this or that, but, but it never, never seems to get done. I want you to notice a major statement in the very middle of our text. In verse 16, it says, Make the most of every opportunity. New American Standard reads this way, Make the most of your time. If we are to turn dreams into reality, if we're to turn hopes into fruition, if we're to turn our relationships into something that is real, something that's deep, full, meaningful if we, the church, if Dover Church is to become the body of Christ that we've been designed to be, or in our individual lives, if we're going to be conformed, transformed into the image of His Son, I believe it's because we are going to make the most of the time that God has given us to do the things that He has called us to do. We need to redeem the time. I need you to catch something right as we begin. The way this verse is written in the Greek, it it is referring to a specific span of time. That is to say, it's not some vague, abstract span of time. It's not referring to a time. It's not referring to some time. It's not speaking about any time. It is speaking about The time, your specific time. It is speaking of the prescription of time, the time that God has given to me, God has given to you to do the things that he's called us to do. I have a time, an amount of time, specific amount of time given to me from God. It's my time. And within that time, I need to be pursuing and fulfilling the life and the ministry that he has called me to be and to do. That reality is sobering for me to realize that God has placed ministry in my life that he's given me a time to do it. There's things he's called me to do within a prescribed amount of time. I don't have forever to do the things that he's calling me to do. The truth is, I don't know for sure if I will be here next week. And neither do you. First Peter one seventeen, New American Standard says, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay here on earth. Conduct yourselves carefully, Peter's saying, because there is a prescribed time that God has given to each one of us. Something else that I need you to catch as we begin this message, remember the context. Ephesians chapters 1 through 3, this is who you are in Christ. Chapters 4 through 6, because of who we are in Christ, this is how we are to live it out. Well, listen, the characteristics of the walk, the life, the characteristics of a person who has been redeemed, he's told us, are these. My life is to be a humble life, a humble walk. It's to be a patient walk, a unity walk. It's to be a different walk than the world walks. Chapter 5 says it's to be a love walk. We just read it's supposed to be a light walk, and I'm not talking about but light as in the light of Christ. And in our text here, Paul adds this. It is also to be a wisdom walk. My life as a Christ follower, because of who I am in Christ, I need to live out a life that is characterized by wisdom. A wisdom, first of all, that makes the most of the time that he's given to me. A prescribed time for each one of us to accomplish what he's called us to. To accomplish. Verse 15. Be very careful then how you live. How you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. Make the most of your time. The question I hope that you ask ourselves obviously is this. What does it mean to walk in or to live in wisdom? Three fundamental things from this text, what we need to know about walking as a wise believer. Number one, a wise walking Christian understands his or her life principles. We're going to see that in verse 15. Be careful how you live. Secondly, the wise walking Christian understands their limited privileges. Verse 16, that's going to deal with the whole concept of time. And then thirdly, we're going to look at verse 17. We'll see a wise walking Christian understands the Lord's purpose for their life. Purposes. All right. Number one, verse 15. A wise walking Christian understands their life's principles. Be careful... How you walk, the word "careful" can be translated several different ways. It means to walk circumspectly. It means to walk accurately. It means to walk with great exactness. I have a illustration here, but Jen and Doug gave us one at the end of Sunday school. They took a box of Legos, tossed them into the room and said, one of the most painful things you can experience is walking barefoot and stepping on a Lego. <laughs> so pick it up. Uh, so you got to be careful where you step. Well, let's take it beyond pain to possibly, possibly losing a limb or your life. If you were to walk in a minefield, if you were to be touring somewhere, else in the world and you stumble unintentionally find yourself off the trail and you're in a minefield there are some things you better do and how you walk circumspectly you need to walk carefully you need to walk and step with great exactness be careful where you put your foot and where you don't put your foot you're going to pay attention you need to be aware Wisdom is not what I know. Wisdom is what I do with what I know. Wisdom is an action. It's important to note that the wisdom spoken of here is not, it has nothing to do with something's intellectual ability. It has nothing to do with somebody's intelligence. Intelligence. Here's what I mean the Greek mind and the Hebrew mind view wisdom very differently for the Greeks wisdom is akin to how you and I perceive wisdom we often think of wisdom as knowledge my intellectual abilities the Hebrew mind however from which Paul is writing wisdom is something far different wisdom is not isn't something that you, my thought has to do with what I did did I act wisely the wise walk is about a lifestyle how i live my life walking in wisdom is not about intellectual how intellectually capable i am walking in wisdom has to do with how spiritually pliable i am how spiritually obedient i am Walking in wisdom, to put it very simply, in relation to all the other things that we've been studying, walking in wisdom is merely the practical application of everything that we've been studying in Ephesians. Walking in wisdom is walking in humility. Walking in wisdom is walking patiently, living a patient way. It's a wisdom that preserves unity. Wisdom that causes me to speak the truth in love. Regardless of the consequences. In Sunday school, Jen made reference of peacemakers, a fantastic biblical tool of how to speak the truth of someone, to work through conflict resolution in a godly way. That's wisdom. A wisdom walk is a walk of love. A wisdom walk is a lifestyle of where I imitate God, Ephesians 5.1. Therefore, says Paul, be careful how you walk, how you live. Not as unwise, not foolishly, but as wise. Don't walk like those who are dead. Walk as those who are alive in Christ. Not as those who are in darkness, but those who are in light. The wise walking Christian understands they're life's principles, and they live according to the principles. Secondly, a wise walking Christian understands our limited privileges. Verse 16, make the most of your time. Make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of the time that God has given you to do the things that he's called you to do. Basically, what that verse is doing is creating for us a sense of urgency concerning these characteristics that we need to have developed in our lives. There are limitations on my ability to love you well. It starts with just who I am in the flesh. There are limitations in my ability to live my life as I should. There are limitations in my ability to go to you and encourage you with the encouragement that I am called to give to you because I'm selfish. There are limitations in my ability to minister, to care, to give, to do what God's called me to do. There are limitations in my ability to walk a wise walk. And the chief one, obviously, that we've been talking about is there's a limit of my time. In the Greek there are two words for kind for time, excuse me. One is chronos, think of chronology. Think of uh, it's how we mark time on a calendar or a clock. It marks one thing happening and then another thing happening and then another thing happening. Kronos. The other Greek word used for time used in this text, it's the word kairos. Literally it has to do with opportunities. It refers to a fixed and definite time, an opportunity given within a limited time. I want you to think of, write it in your notes, kairos moments. Moments where God has called you to something, moments where God is calling you to something, moments where God has showed you something that he wants you to move into, it is your Kairos moment for that thing that he wants you to implement in your life, open your life to Kairos moments. Young people, 14 of you going to life, I promise you on a daily basis, you will have Kairos moments. Make the most of every opportunity that God gives you. In this context, it's saying this. You and I have an opportunity now to respond to God. An an opportunity now to walk in love. An opportunity now to walk wisely. We have an opportunity now to speak the truth in love. Make the most of every opportunity, grab hold of it, Act today, the opportunity you have today, because you won't necessarily have it tomorrow. Wisdom seizes the opportunity to do the wise thing, to do the godly thing, the righteous thing. Speak the truth in love. Let all bitterness and anger and clamor be put away. God speaks to you about it. It is your time to deal with what he's laid on your heart by the Holy Spirit to deal with, deal with it now. It's the time that he gave it to you. Seize the opportunity to apply it to my life. The fool says, tomorrow. I'll think about it tomorrow. Maybe someday. I'll I'll, I'll plan to get together with them next week. And the opportunity is gone. Psalm 90, verse 12 says, Teach us to number our days. Why? That we may present to you what? A heart of wisdom. Wisdom seizes the opportunity, seizes the chance to do it. It does it now. The Kairos moment. Wisdom seizes the opportunity to be engaged in that ministry, to to come alongside somebody, to build somebody up, to set priorities straight, to grasp something that he's leading me to grasp, to lean into, to seize it. The fool says, tomorrow. I wonder how many times that I've sat in a church service or I find myself in some context where the life of God is being spoken to me. Could be in small group. Could be in my own devotions. I hear the Spirit of God speaking to me through a conversation with somebody over coffee. How many times have I been prompted, God speaking to me, convicted perhaps of something. Maybe about my lack of love. He's pointed out to me an area of bitterness. Bitterness. Somewhere that the enemy has gained a foothold. God is moving in my heart to do something about it. And, and, and you know what it is because the Holy Spirit is very specific. If it's general beating you up condemnation, that is not of God. Something specific, something clear. He's calling you to do it. It's the opportunity to do it now. But how many times have we said tomorrow? And every time I say later, every time that I said, I'll do something about that someday, even though I know it's affecting my life now, every time I say someday, I'll handle tomorrow, every time I do that, I am the fool. Does that sound strong? It's intended to. Cuz I don't want us to act foolishly, but to walk in wisdom. There's no way that I could make these words strong enough, however, to send to communicate the sense of urgency that Paul is trying to communicate that the reason we have to act wisely and seize every opportunity afforded by God is because at the end of 16, the days are evil. The days are evil. It certainly was for the Christians who lived in Ephesus. As you may recall from my introduction to this study, and even just mentioned it recently, uh, the days are evil. The largest... Pagan temple in the Roman Empire existed in Ephesus. They didn't have to be told that the days were evil. The scripture says it'll go from bad to worse. I think what Paul is saying when he's speaking of the days are evil, he says, listen, believer, the opportunity is now to serve the Lord. The opportunity is now to respond what the Spirit is leading you to do. Seize it now because you may not always have it. You may not even have it tomorrow. You may not be here tomorrow. Let's not play church. Why? Because the day, the time is short, the days are evil, You may not see it now, but there is no room for us. There's no room for, in our church, bitterness. There's no room in our church for wrath and anger and clamor of how we speak about one another or to one another. Why? Because the time is short. The days are evil. We have opportunity now to minister to one another. Grab onto it. Lean into it. You have opportunity now to love, to forgive, to make things right. You have opportunity now to say, yes, God. You have opportunity now to say, I'm going to walk through the process of taking back ground. You have opportunity now to come alongside somebody and say, I need you in my life. I'm not going to do this alone anymore. Now's the time. Sees it. A wise walking Christian understands their life's principles. A wise walking Christian understands their limited time, their limited privileges. And number three, a wise walking Christian understands the Lord's purposes, the Lord's will for their life. Ephesians 5 17 says. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's something that could get, at least how I remember. I, I didn't come to faith till after high school. But if there's one thing that I would bump into that would just cause a panic for a high school student, especially a college student... I want to know what God's will is for my life. Some of you are still looking. And unfortunately, we think it's this very clear set path. I am called to do this. There's all sorts of things in Scripture that are very clear of what God's will is for you. And it's the same thing that it is for you and for you, and it's the same thing for you, and it's the same thing for me. We've been learning all about them in Ephesians. Lots of things that are God's will for us. God's will for me, God's will for you, is to walk in a manner worthy of who he has already made you to be. Let your walk be equal to who you are. That's God's will for you. What does it look like? He has called you to walk in humility. That's his will for you. His will for you is to walk in patience and gentleness. That's his will for you. God's will for me, God's will for you, is that I speak the truth in love. That I, And I practice that, not just think about it. All of that in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. The will of the Lord for me, the will of the Lord for you is to get rid of all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor. Put it away. Take back the ground and in their places, allow the Holy Spirit to develop in you kindness, gentleness, forgiveness. Allow the Holy Spirit to transform you from the inside out that your character, that the demonstration of your life would be equal to who you are. I need to put those things on. They don't just... Happen. There's no magic wand in this faith, and right here in Ephesians five or seventeen. Don't be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is, and what is it? Verse eighteen. Another part of God's will. Don't get drunk on wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit, walking in the fullness of the Spirit is God's will for you. We get to unpack that shortly. Be imitators of God. Guess what that is? God's will for me. And we hear these exhortations Over and over again, my goodness, he's still in Ephesians and he's been here a year. Are you killing me? You're killing me. I've only heard whispers of that. Sunday after Sunday, I could be sitting in church, but listen, in one of those messages over the last year, whether it was me or somebody else. Or you're in a Sunday school class. Or you're in a small group. Just you and the Lord. But one of the, somewhere along the line, something clicks. The Spirit of God illuminates, brings to your mind, Tim, pay attention. This is for you. It pierces your heart. The spirit of God convicts me. Maybe the spirit of God speaks a truth because I've listened to the lie of the enemy for so long. And it reveals a truth. This is who you really are. Oh, I should seize that tomorrow. The spirit of God convicts me, reveals. Dude, you got I don't know if the I don't know what the Holy Spirit says, dude. Bro, you have a root of bitterness. It started with this hurt in your life and unforgiveness. And now it's spread to other things. It's caused you to be anxious. It's caused you to be unkind. Take back the ground. You have authority to take back the ground because of who you are in Christ, because you're seated in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. Take it back and ask the Holy Spirit to fill you with love and patience and humility. God, transform me from the inside out. How about this? Because remember, this is the whole starting point. If I haven't come to the end of myself, if I haven't been broken, yeah, I'll do that tomorrow. you haven't allowed the Spirit of God to bring brokenness to you, none of this even makes sense. Or at best, you think, sounds okay. Brokenness. Blessed are those who are broken. Jesus' words, not mine. Blessed are those who have come to the end of themselves. And have recognized, I cannot live the Christian faith, Jesus, the way you have described it in the New Testament. The way Paul unpacks it, I can't live that in my own strength. And unless you come and live it through me, I have no hope. I need to see my need. Sense God moving in my heart, seize the opportunity But too often I decide, maybe someday, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, the week after that. Hear the word of the Lord for you, for our church redeem the time your time you're not guaranteed tomorrow how God is moving in your heart now is easy to push away isn't it but God has afforded us this opportunity today so today as you hear his voice don't harden your heart we can unpack that whole thing the more I ignore, the more I push away, the, the harder my heart becomes, the stiffer my neck. And let me tell you, you got a hard heart and a stiff neck, brokenness comes at a whole nother level. Be careful how you live. Be wise. Don't play the fool. Time. Time with your spouse. I wonder, husbands, do we seize the opportunities that God has afforded me? Wives, do we seize the time with your husband that is needed to build, to share, to be real with, to build that relationship? Do I seize the time? Does it, as, as the Holy Spirit brings it to my mind, do I go, that's a great idea. I should do that next week. Time. Parents. Boy, you, you know, putting them to bed and, and God opened up this, this, this window to their soul. They were just so open and pliable. And I, and I walked away because it was bedtime. Or did I seize the opportunity? Not many years and they're gone. Or not many years and you move away and you leave them behind. What have you done with your time? Ministry. Spiritual gifts. What has God given? God has given each and every one of us a spiritual gift. I believe That God calls people to a local church for a purpose, for a reason. And that we need each other. He's given you a reason to be here. Seize it. Dover Church will never be the church that God's called it to be without you. Never. So you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, my goodness, I hope he's done. What is it that you've been putting off that you know that God has laid on your heart to lean into and to do? For everyone in the room, that the Holy Spirit, and I'm not naive enough to think that it's everybody in the room. But for those of you who the Holy Spirit has put something specific on your heart and mind, not the person next to you, your heart and mind, seize it. Do it today. Maybe it's the person you need to talk to. Can can I just put this out there? Can we just blow something up? Not everybody in Sioux County is a Christian. No kidding. Not everybody in Orange City is a born-again believer. If every one of you, it would be ridiculous to think that every one of you don't know three people who don't know Christ as their Savior, who live in this area. Oh, you may assume they do because they live in Orange City. Who's the person that God has laid on your heart to go out to coffee with? Preach at them? Oh, please don't. But there's nothing threatening by saying, hey, can I tell you what God's been doing in my life? There's nothing threatening with saying, you know what, we've known each other for 10 years. I don't think I've ever told you my story. People love stories. Tell them your story of how you came to faith. Plant a seed. Maybe tomorrow you could set it up today. However the Spirit of God might be moving you, the invitation is really clear. Deal with it. Now, seize the kairos moment that the Spirit of God is laying on your heart. Application. Dealing with it now is what it means to redeem the time, to make the most of the opportunity that God has afforded you at this time, this Kairos moment. Why? Because you don't know how he's going to move tomorrow. How he's called you to change today is today. Too often we put it off and we never change. Too often we put it off and we never change. Too often we put it off and we never change. Too often we put it off and we never change. And then we wonder, I don't see God working in my life. Seize the opportunity. Now is the expectable time. (laughs) Redeem the time. Make the most of your time. Your attitude, your ministry, your relationships. When are you gonna do it? Make the most of the time because the days are evil you don't have forever. Gonna ask the worship team to come on up. And I'm gonna ask you to stand. Simple prayer and wrote out. Father, by your Spirit, be teaching us those areas in our lives that need to be seized today, that need to be changed now, that we can walk not as unwise, but as wise. Send us out in the power and the grace. Of your spirit, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.